Hey everyone, it's Gabby, and uh, yeah, this feed hasn't updated in a while, has it? Time to change that, huh? Uh, another part of Hunted. Uh, should be Chapter 5, Part 2. Uh, sorry about the delay. Uh, lots of stuff happening in my own personal life over the last few months, so uh, that combined with just my own laziness and lack of drive to do this kind of led to it taking a long while, but uh, I think I'm through that now. So hopefully, um, hopefully this makes up for it. I know it's not long, but I, I put a bit of work into this one, and I'm going to try to do the same thing from now on. So hopefully you like it, and uh, I don't know, I just hope you like it. Um, if you'd like to, hit up our uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash SSP, or uh, just go watch videos on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash, I think it's Spider Squid Studios, and, uh, or youtube.com slash recurringvs. Uh, we got a lot of stuff on the way, so come check us out. Anyway, on with the show. John set another glass down in front of Silas as the Saki drifted under them. The town was safely packed away inside her hold, and most everyone was asleep now. The old bartender was, of course, behind the ship's small bar. Think that one should be your last one, sir. Gotta have someone to fly this old boat in the morning. Silas looked sadly at the glass of whiskey and nodded. I suppose so. Thanks, John. Heard from her at all? He shook his head. Not a peep. Not like she's the best at keeping contact while she's out, but still, not like her to go a week without at least checking in. True. Maybe they're just having some radio troubles. Nothing to worry about. I'm sure they're doing alright. Quinn and Grace are with her, so it's not like them old clunkers won't stay in the sky. Yeah. The man downed the rest of the glass in one go, shaking his head after. I suppose I'd better sleep this off. Already had a hard enough time keeping the bridge crew listening to me without her here. Don't need to be buzzed on top of it. Alright, sir. I'll have one of the boys bring you some food in the morning. Thank you. I'll probably be back down here tomorrow evening. See you then. Good night. Captain. The old man smirked and started wiping down the bar. Silas grinned and shook his head as he headed up the stairs, back to the bridge. The sound of his footsteps on the metal echoing in the empty halls above. He hated the ship at night, especially without Fiona there. He was rarely on the Sakee, and she was always there to remind him how to navigate the ship. Now he had to find his way through the streets on his own. Alright. First thing after we get settled somewhere is making some goddamn signs for this place, he muttered. The bridge was silent when he arrived. The only other people there were Stevens and the communications officer, Leela. Ahoy, sir. He nodded and sat down on Fiona's chair, slouching a bit. How's it going? All quiet here, sir. We're running silent for now, so people can sleep, but the boiler is warmed up just in case we need to run, Stevens said, nodding to him. There was a message for you, sir. From Doc. He said that girl is asking to see you. Silas raised an eyebrow quizzically. Oh? Huh. 
I guess I'll head down there in the morning. I'm sure they're sleeping now. When does shift change? Not till we land, sir. Without the captain or lurker, I, I mean, Quinn around, there's not really anyone else who knows how to do what we do. Hmm. Celis did his best to let the lurker comment go. He knew that most of the crew found Quinn a bit off since she never left the engine room, but they didn't know everything about her. Well, let me know if anything changes, I suppose. I'll go pay Doc a visit. Might as well wake the old bastard up. Emily sat in her room. Not a cell, but a room, with a bed and clothes and even a mirror, writing in the small journal that Doc had given her. The first weeks had been tenuous, with a few attempted stabbings, but she was beginning to at least believe that they weren't trying to hurt her. So far. Day 29, maybe. The old man at the bar, John, I think, snuck me a bottle of whiskey, as long as I promised not to drink it all at once. He seems nice enough. They aren't terrible here so far. Jacqueline and Melanie seem to be alright. They haven't mentioned anything other than the kindness. We'll see. A knock on her door interrupted her. The small clock in her bedside showed nearly two in the morning. Who the hell was at her door at this hour? Quietly, she picked up the small life she'd stolen from John when he wasn't looking and clenched the handle. Don't mean to be a bother. Doc said you wanted to talk to me and I saw the light was on while I was walking past. It's Silas. She'd been asking to speak with him. A million possibilities sprang through her head at once. A stowaway looking to take her back. An impersonator who overheard trying to assault her. A dozen armed men on the other side of the door planning to lock her in a cage again for their enjoyment. A sharp pain in her hand snapped her out of it. The bottom of the blade of the knife had cut into her tightly gripping hip palm. She slowly opened the door, doing her best to hide the knife. He stood there, eyes looking bruised from lack of sleep, hair disheveled and slightly slumped. Not a threat to her at the moment. Her grip on the knife handle loosened. She stepped out of his way so he could come in and sit down, sitting at the desk again, closing her journal. Sorry, I couldn't sleep, so I figured I'd drop by. She nodded and picked up a second notepad she'd been given, this one for communicating. It already contained her side of a few dozen conversations she'd had with Doc, mostly arguments about her physical well-being. She wrote, I thought I'd at least like to meet one of the people in charge here. He read it and chuckled. <laughs> oh, there's only one, and sadly she's not here right now. I wish she was. The captain is still gone? Yeah, Silas nodded and leaned heavily on his arm. Should hear from her soon, though. Emily thought of attempting to make polite conversation for a while longer, but decided to get to the point. What do you plan to do with us? Do with you? I... Um, whatever you want. You're not a prisoner here or something. Just don't think it's the best idea for you to go running off on your own until you've completely healed up at least. She thought for a moment, considering what she wanted. Melanie did nothing but talk about how amazing the singer was to them, and Jacqueline even seemed to like John. None of the people she'd met here seemed like animals. Still, it was a challenge sitting in this room with this man alone. She wished she had a revolver or the knife. Anything just in case she needed to defend herself. I suppose. She hesitated a moment, wondering if she should even ask, if she wanted the answer. Is there anything we can do to help out? Silas chuckled and shook his head. Just get better. I'm sure if you decide to stay, there will be a place for you somewhere. For now, just make sure you don't do anything too reckless. Thank you. Silas stood up slowly and a bit unsteadily. 
Don't mention it. We may be pirates, thieves, and occasional killers, but we're still people. When Fiona gets back, you should talk to her. It might help you decide if you'd like to stay. Emily nodded, getting up to open the door for him. He shuffled out. Good night. Try to get some sleep. I'm sure John will have someone dropping food off in a couple hours. Six days passed as they waited for the rain to let up. Grace spent her nights either drinking with Fiona and Quinn or sleeping in Lenora. Her days were spent either nursing hangovers or attempting to turn the tarps into a tent. She came back into the bunker, soaking wet, and sat next to the heater. It's starting to lighten up. Might be done by tomorrow. About time, Fiona said. We've been down here long enough. Quinn yawned and stretched. Gonna be down here longer, Captain. Ain't going anywhere until that ground dries up a little. I'll bet tonight's dinner on those tires being halfway into the mud by now. Don't tell me that. I'm sick of being here, Q. I don't care if I gotta drag them up myself. We're leaving today. Fiona huffed, pulling herself up off the floor. Gathering their things didn't take long, and soon they were outside. Fiona crouched next to her runner, inspecting the wheels. Should be alright here. Maybe for you, but Betsy is damn near to her ankles in the mud, Quinn called over. Fiona sighed. We'll just drag her out. We've already way behind, and I don't trust Sign not to burn the damn ship down. Yeah, I've been trying not to think about Stevens touching my baby. Bastard is all hands. Doesn't know how to be gentle. Hours later, they had chained both Lenora and Fiona's flyer to Betsy and were slowly taxiing forward. The poor runners groaned as they attempted to carry the larger cargo flyer from the mud. Each stalling for a moment before a loud, almost sickening pop pulled the wheels from the wet earth. They continued forward until it was settled on harder packed dirt. There, let's get the fuck out of here, Fiona yelled from her cockpit. Emily stood in front of her mirror, examining the scar that ran across her throat. It was still a bit tender, but the ropey, pale flesh had closed up completely. Doc had given her a few last pills to make sure the infection was gone, but otherwise had given her a clean bill of health. She talked to Silas about work again, though she didn't quite know what skills she could use. She had never been a particularly good homemaker, nor was she good with machines. She looked at her hands in the mirror for a moment, the scars that covered them sparking an idea. Maybe they had uses for... force. You want to what? Silas looked at the notebook in his hand, raising an eyebrow at the page. She pointed to the words again, leaving her finger on them for emphasis. We, we don't have assassins. Hell, we don't even have guards most of the time, just a few of the crew that know what the end of the barrel to point and how to pull a trigger. He rubbed a hand across his face. He'd forgotten to shave for the last week. Emily snatched the notebook and scrawled again. That doesn't mean you don't have need for people from time to time. It's something I can do. Yeah, but... But we... Do you honestly think this would be a good idea? I mean, you're barely up and walking. He let out a long sigh and closed his eyes for a moment. Without Fiona here, he was a mess and really didn't know how to argue with her. Just like Rose's talents, they probably would have use for someone a bit more physically adept in a different sense. Where are you from? Nomads. One of the ship tribes or earthbounders? This would be the deciding factor for him. If she had been born on a ship, there was a chance she was like Fiona. 
If not, well, they could figure something out. Mom was in a crash. Dad didn't make it. Shipborn. Huh. Well, I want to hear from Doc himself that you're good to go. Then I want you to talk to John. If he says no, then we'll find something else for you to do. Alright? She thought for a moment, then nodded. It was better than nothing. Why did she feel such an attachment to this place already? She'd been comatose for the majority of the time she'd been here, but everyone she'd forced herself to meet was... kind. For dreaded pirates that she'd heard so much about. The slaughter, the mayhem, the destruction that they apparently left in their wake. This community seemed... docile. John stared at the words on the paper, much the same way Silas had, but remained silent. He paused a beat before reaching under the bar and pulling out a bottle of labelless liquor and poured himself a shot. After downing it, he stared at the empty glass for a moment. If this is something you really want, then... yes. But before you say yes, I want you to take a week. Think about it. She started to write an argument, but stopped. He hadn't said no, in fact just the opposite. Now it was her turn to say yes. Alright. Alright. There was a tense pause in the empty bar, the air waiting for one of them to say something. John cleared his throat. Can I get you anything to drink? Even hours later, Grace watched as clumps of mud fell from the bottom of Betsy, and water sometimes ran out of the wells for the landing gears. She toggled the radio. Think Betsy's alright? She took a ton of water on the last week. The radio crackled in response for a moment before Quinn replied. She's been through worse. Should have been there the day she got trapped in a sinkhole. Think some of the dirt in the aft stabilizer is from back then, honestly. Yeah, but water can't be good on her, right? Well, as long as her hold's empty, it's alright. Don't want it ruining everything we're going to get. Fiona's voice crackled into the speakers. I suppose. Just feel bad for the old girl. She's looking rough. Hey, girly. The town we're heading to. Just stick close while we're there. It's been a long time since we've been this far north, and I don't know how it's looking. Alright, Captain. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. What was that about dogs? Thank you.